Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I'm Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. in a weird accent. That's, that's strange. Is it Halloween? So you're jumping into accents? And that's why? I was, think, I was thinking of kind of the older horror movies, you know, because the classic we're bringing back today is about the monster gender gap, as we say. Yes. And when I think about all of those older classic, you know, like Black Lagoon and Werewolf and stuff, it's all men, like, Usually terrorizing women. Of course. Uh, <laughs> and apparently that was what the accent <laughs> brought. Okay. That's where it went, came from? Got you. I got you. I guess. That being said, we have been recently looking into a lot of um, women in urban legends. We've done a lot of stuff in this vein before of like women serial killers or whatever. And you you picked one uh, in our one of our... Urban Legends episodes, which might not have come out yet, but you picked, you were like, this. if I could be the, a monster, this is the one. I think so. Yeah, but I'm curious, is there like, is there a particular legend about a female monster or demon or story that really, really resonates with you that you really like? I don't know if I'd say resonates because I think, as we talked about before, many of the horror movies have something to do with children uh, mm-hmm. and being a mother. And that has never been a thing for me or being really uh, being murdered because they cheated. That's been a mm-hmm. few things that have happened. I guess maybe like things like Jennifer's body. Again, I don't see myself as a main character or being the pretty one. So I don't imagine that being my thing either. So this is really sad. Oh, <laughs> It's sad that you can't be a monster. <laughs> Apparently, I can't be a monster because I don't hit any of those things. Although I do love, which one is it? Kind of what we were talking about with what we do in the shadows, you know, feeling bad for the girl who's not uh, the prettiest and or being ignored and being turned into a monster. And I was like, that could be me. Maybe maybe that would be me. Uh, maybe <laughs> I, I would, you know, become that jaded person or being a sad person that someone feels bad for. So you make them immortal. Essentially, <laughs> type of thing, so that they can also have powers, right. you know, to be able to have vengeance. Right. I do love those type of stories. So maybe mm-hmm. I'm more of a revenge film person. Uh huh. Yeah. That goes after things. So I'm not necessarily a monster, but I'm definitely not cool. Still human, <laughs> but not quite a monster. I like that. That feels like a business card. Yeah, I think not you. a monster, but I'm definitely not cool. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> saying. What about you? Um, I mean, I'm in kind of a similar predicament in terms of like a lot of what we talked about in this episode and in the Urban Legends episode does have to do with children and motherhood. And the reason I wanted to bring this one back is because two things that kept coming up when we were researching this for me that we didn't discuss were the Furies from Greek mythology and Lilith. And those are two... I guess the Furies are three people, so those four things. Um, they, I always was really interested in the Furies because they have like this terrible, like very fearsome, people were terrified of them. And and depending on what source you're reading, they were getting like justice or they were cruel and just killing people. And then with someone like Lilith, there's just to me a really interesting story behind 
how she got to where she got and why she was demonized and sort of made into what she was. So maybe, you know, resonate isn't the right word, but I do, they just fascinate me. And a lot of the monsters we talk about in this episode fascinated me, actually. (laughs) Maybe I should go back and say Medusa. Because I Ooh. feel like I could be that kind of bitter Betty. Like, that resonates with me. <laughs> bitter Betty. Watch out. <laughs> Don't say her name three times near a Zoom call. Uh, she just comes back and complains a lot. I love that. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> That's the most boring monster that we've got. Here we go. I think that could really get behind somebody, though, like really get stuck in their crawl. Oh, she's still complaining. (laughs) Oh, God, she's still talking and whining. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) Well, we hope that you enjoy this classic episode. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. I know that there's theme music for uh-huh. us, but in my head, I have my own after we finish it because we sit in silence. We do. So I'm like, do, 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 That's how I hear it in my head. Oh, okay. Maybe we could make that a reality. Well, I like what we've got. Yeah. Which is nothing like what I just did. <laughs> I know. You, you came up with your own thing. <laughs> I we did. do sit here kind of awkwardly, but it's for uh, production purposes. Right, for transition. Yes, obviously. Yes. Uh, and we were having a rousing conversation right. about whether or not unicorns are monsters and are they all female? Right. And I guess according to the cabin in the woods, it is a monster. Yeah, because today we're talking about yeah. female monsters. Um, unicorns did not make the list, but maybe they should have. But I don't know if it's female. Yeah, that's true. That's the that's the question. I did not include mermaids, um, right. which come up a lot, but we do talk about a lot of their kind of. Um, oh, talk about sirens. Sirens, right. yeah. We're, so we're gonna do kind of a a pop culture overlook and then a historical overlook that got uh, kind of out of hand. Well, just just saying, this is a lot of pages. <laughs> it, is. it is. I'm like, oh, we are in Annie's fun house now. Yes. Uh, I wish I could do Halloween-themed episodes uh, The all excitement year long. that I see with the, the words and your face <laughs> as we're talking about these things, I'm like, wow. Yes. Oh, yes, I'm in for a treat. You are both a trick and a treat. Um, I that. <laughs> a while back, we did an episode on the trope in our pop culture of women falling in love with monsters. And we mentioned in that episode that there is a monster gender gap. <laughs> um, far more male monsters than female monsters. And on top of that, there is a monster beauty gap. Mm-hmm. Female monsters are generally portrayed in a sexualized manner, whereas male monsters are not. Male monsters are also frequently allowed some sympathy, whereas female ones are not. It's true. Yeah. Uh, And we wanted to revisit this topic and the topic of female monsters. And just FYI, as in the episode we did around male monsters, we're mainly talking about fictional monsters, not like our real-world human monsters. Right. Um, We are going to touch briefly on... um, some fictional serial killers, but not not generally. Uh, and I know that 
I've done my my horror movie spiel on the show before, but I think horror movies are really indicative of our anxieties and fears as a society. And we are apparently hella afraid of women and their bodies. And, yeah, all the fluids of their bodies. (laughs) No, absolutely (laughs) true. Absolutely true. Um, And this does come into, like, an interesting conversation of what a monster is, and we'll we'll touch on that a little bit more because some of them... We include it even though maybe we have some doubts. Mm-hmm. There's a gray area. There's several gray areas. <laughs> there's many. There's 50 shades of gray, oh, apparently. Oh, <laughs> which is not a horror movie, I've been told. I haven't seen it either. I haven't seen them, no. No. Uh, trigger warning before we get into it uh, for brief mentions of sexual assault and violence. And yes, uh, more specifically talking about more non-human, superhuman monsters today. But okay, I wanted to ask you, Samantha. I'm here. What's the first female monster that comes to your head? So for me, all of the female monsters are the ghostly, motherly, demonic kind, um, and when, or wrong ghosts. So if I think of the mother on Juwan, mm-hmm. or the, I guess, well, I guess the regular. The Grudge. Uh, the Grudge. Uh-huh. We just recently watched that one, which I love. Or the devil-worshipping mother from Conjuring, because mm-hmm. I love those movies. Or even in the later segments of Insidious, there is a mother figure that started it all. Yeah. That haunts them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Are these spoilers? Should I have said spoilers? Spoilers! I don't, I don't think those are spoilers because they're just kind of like right. in the trailer. Right. Or even if you like, I guess, if you want to think about... Again, with the mother figure in the Red Dragon, Joseph Fiennes. I know mm-hmm. he, this is a serial killer and all that, but it began with his mother yeah. and created this fictional serial killer monster. Yeah. And that's kind of what I think of as women and monsters. It's all these awful mothers or stepmothers. Bad mothers, <laughs> yeah. That either come back for revenge mm-hmm. or because they hated their children or they're part of witchcraft or something. Right. Yeah, and that's something we've definitely talked about before is uh, our pop culture Anxiety around motherhood. Right, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Apparently. Um, and I, I feel like most female monsters I think of are like femme fatales yeah. or seductresses or, um, or, yeah, ghostly women with black, long black hair. It's one of my favorite things. So when I had long black hair, I used to try to scare the hell out of people just by making that weird grudge noise. Oh, and yeah. And with the hair in my face, it worked. Oh, it I'm delight. sure it did. <laughs> One of my favorite costumes I ever saw at Dragon Con was someone dressed as Samara from The Ring, looked just like her, mm-hmm. and was carrying around a videotape and, like, slowly trying to hand it to people. That's amazing. It was so creepy. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite Halloween costumes was dressing as The Grudge mm-hmm. and having, like, a stained white gown, essentially, yeah. or, you know, hospital gown with my hair all in my face and all white and just staring with the one eye yeah. and following cre- people creepily. They were really creeped out. I I made imagine. a lot of friends. I made a lot of friends <laughs> sure. that day. I'm sure you did. You didn't lose any. Definitely <laughs> not. Um, I also think of possessed young girls. I think that's a pretty big trope in our horror. Kristen and Caroline have a, a whole episode on Succubi kind of going off that, that seductress femme fatale thing if you want to check that out. And they've done a few on witches uh, if you want to check those out mm-hmm. as well. So some famous recent examples, recent-ish, of um, female monsters the Queen Alien from Aliens, which by now you've either heard our very in-depth look at Alien, or if you haven't, you should check it out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, the Queen Alien from The Faculty, which is a movie that I loved in high school. And I think for like a month, every day, I would go home and watch it with some KFC. 
What a weird, weird child. Wow, with KFC, that's very specific. I know. I went through a big KFC, like, just the chicken, because the sides, yeah. I think we can agree, are... Well, mm. the chicken is finger-looking good, so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> 11 herbs and spices. Just saying. Those, those <laughs> secret herbs and spices. Oh, yeah. We'll never know. It, it can't be, like, salt and pepper or no, whatever. No. It's got to be something Paprika. more. <laughs> yes. Um, the, another alien, the alien from Under the Skin, who killed men for their organs um, by seducing them. All right. The raptors from Jurassic Park, um, at least the first one. They're all they're all female. Are they? Yeah, I guess I missed that part. Yeah, this is the whole thing. It's like they can't reproduce because oh. they're all female. Oh, but I then they the frog DNA, and then talk about spoilers. <laughs> that movie is old. That's been years. Um, I suppose I saw Godzilla from the 1998 version of Godzilla on some list, which I bring up every chance I get. That's why it's here on this list. Um, Jaws. That's Bruce. Yes, but the Jaws in the book, at least. Because oh. I think the her her child <laughs> is in the second one looking for revenge. <laughs> or maybe it's the other way around. It's a revenge tale. Is it? For sure. The yeah. mom wants revenge or the child just, wants revenge. I just assumed it's because the mayor was stupid every time and so he deserved his town getting eat up. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, no, no. Character. I, I absolutely know what you're talking about. I watch that movie every 4th of July because oh, oh. it takes place on 4th of July. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, and then the demon from Jennifer's body, which, by the way, she was possessed because she was not a virgin. I did not. Have you you seen this movie? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, you and I talked about this. Okay, I tried to make my friend watch it, too, and he's like, this is dumb. What is this? I'm like, it was Diablo Cody. That's one of her first movies, and it's kind of like mock two women in in the horror, like, Mm -hmm. genre. But, yeah, she was supposed to be... Maybe spoiler alert if you're really excited about watching Jennifer's body, which is fairly old. Mm -hmm. Um, But she goes with this band, the band thinks she's a virgin, and they do this whole ceremony on her, and instead of going correctly, she gets possessed, Mm -hmm. or she becomes a demon. And then no one notices, right? And then, no, of course not. Well, they're like, she's she's so hot. (laughs) She's mean, and she's so hot that automatically you get an excuse, except for her best friend, Uh who's Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried, Mm -hmm. who is beautiful, but she plays the dowdy girl. I'm like, come on, y'all. That always bothers me. Come right. on. She's, she's the shy, quieter friend of, sure. of <laughs> Megan Fox. Glasses? Was her hair in a ponytail? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. <Yes. laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which I'm sure, again, Diablo Cody did that it's, on purpose. Yes, definitely. Right. Um, I love those movies like that. Um, the Werewolf from Ginger Snaps, which um, also plays on a lot of our fears. Straight up about administration. Straight up about periods. As, I love it. I'm telling you. It all boils down <laughs> to male writers being afraid of periods. They should be. <laughs> they should respect them. Respect it and be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> um, Samara from The Ring, right. or Sadako from the original. And um, I would love to come back and do a whole thing on that kind of genre of Japanese horror because a lot of it has to do with um, anxiety around Hiroshima. Right. And the nuclear fallout and... A fear of like what will my children like maybe something has gone wrong with right. this radiation um i would love to come back and talk Which about is that a legitimate fear i think that's kind of how chernobyl the whole horror yeah. stories always kind of revolve around that as well mm-hmm. and then the vampire from let the right one in or a girl walks home alone at night fun gray area when it comes to monsters which i did love both of those movies yeah, they were true. fantastic in the original the fact that these movies came out in this kind of level and it's just so like slow <laughs> 
Yeah. But you kind of love it. But then, you know, there's Dracula's Brides. Yeah, which are usually which is, portrayed pretty sexily. Right. And it's kind of under those little gray areas. Uh-huh. Is that the monster or, the, you know, what are they? Right. Camilla, the lesbian vampire who wanted to turn all the women she could into vampires. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> oh, my and gosh. <laughs> Shory, the vampire from Octavia Butler's Fledgling, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen that one. It's a book. Oh. Uh, I, I think it's... Might be in talks to be a movie. Okay, okay, okay. So that's probably why. Yeah. yeah. And then the uh, the main monster from Dusk Till Dawn, which mm. is Selma Hayek, she barely speaks in it until she's about to kill people, but she does her seductive dance and she turns out to be one of the main vampires. Mm-hmm. You know. Spoiler alert. Uh, but like, <laughs> I did you not have, know that, actually. Did you not know this? <laughs> no. Have you seen From Dusk Till no. Dawn? You've not seen what From Dusk I, Till what Dawn? What if I had seen it and I didn't know she was a vampire? What would that say? I just never you picked don't. up on no, it. No, you will. <laughs> okay. it, it becomes obvious. And I'm sorry I spoiled that for no, you. No, I really thought okay. you... It's, it's fairly a, old movie. Yeah, the statute of limitations, I believe, is 10 years. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, it's fairly old. Um, I know there's a lot of like, ugh, it's Quentin Tarantino. However, yeah, it is a fun, over-the-top. Mm. It does also involve like a serial killer. It's a weird... It's hard to describe. Yeah, it's a weird movie. And I know most of you have watched it because you also feel this little, you feel this little sympathy mm-hmm. for the serial killer, uh, like, psychotic brother. It's oh. a whole level. Uh-huh. It's a whole level. So also, Juliette Lewis is a teenage girl character. It's just some creepy factors up in here. Mm-hmm. Definitely a good, like, a interesting movie to watch. But yeah, he, the main vampire is Selma Hayek, who is a beautiful dancer mm-hmm. that turns into an all-eating monster. An all-eating monster. Well, she just eats everything. Huh. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, that don't mean well, vampires. You sure. know. You know. I saw this movie recently, and I I couldn't for the life of me remember what it's called, so this is very unhelpful. But it it was like, I think, um, Spring? But it was about... um, It it sets itself up so you think it's one of those American tourists is going to get tortured by locals and die kind Mm -hmm. of thing Mm because he's like in Italy, um, and he meets a hot girl. And you know it's a horror movie, so you're like, right. oh, okay. Oh, yeah. But then it turns out she actually does love him. But at night she turns into some kind of like Cthulhu type, but on a small level. Oh. And she has to feed. Oh. And she's trying to protect him. And also like every so many years she will become that monster permanently. And instead of... I mean, I guess spoilers, they stay together. And it ends with them, like, waiting for the sunrise on her last day and to see what happens. Um, He's going to get eaten. Probably. Um, But I do like, I like movies like the the ones we've been talking about with the vampires and um, the ones that make you think about the the question of what is it to be a monster? Because a lot of times they're killing human monsters or just people who, compared to the vampire um, aren't great. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, uh, there are a lot of witches we could talk about. This is something that I was kind of like, monsters? I don't know if they count, but I did want to include some of them. Um, we do have the witches from the craft, which I only watched recently because of this show. Really? <laughs> yes, yes. Wow, I feel like you've missed some really iconic, like, I, female bonding movies. I, apparently I did. I'll, I will make a list. I'm ready to go. Um, the, the, yes, the witch from The Conjuring that you mentioned, um, and I, I guess Annabelle would count, even though Annabelle is more of a demon 
possession right. situation. Old spirit, for sure. Yeah, and I, I thought it might be male. I don't think so. So in the origin... Uh-huh. Yeah, I, look, I love these movies. John, <laughs> no. uh, Wang, is that his name? A Wan, John, James Wan. James Wang. Mm-hmm. John Wang. <laughs> Those John Wayne movies. <laughs> James Wong, he, I think he's done some really good things, and I know they all kind of follow the same little idea, but like he did, I don't know if it was him that did the Annabelle one, but it goes to the origin story yeah. of Annabelle. It's in the Conjuring universe. Yes, yes, yeah. and they go into, it's like they live in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. Lombo stretch, and the it's an orphanage. It's like a small yeah. homemade orphanage with a few nuns here and there, of uh-huh. course. Um, and it begins with the death of this couple's baby. Oh. And so whether or not, and I can't quite remember if it, it was adopted or like what it was always a spirit or always been possessed, whatever, whatnot. And then it goes on to possess mm-hmm. and become Annabelle or whatever, whatnot. So, mm. yes, I think it, I don't know if maybe it's also gender neutral. Who knows? That's true. Demons don't yeah, necessarily true. need a gender. You're right. Uh, but yes, it possesses a young girl though. Oh, uh, maybe that's a spoiler alert. <laughs> I've seen that. I saw that movie on a plane, but I think it landed right at the like end, you know, and I right. just never saw the ending. Like, of course, because we talked about this again, it's children, but this time it's all young girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, of course, again, orphans, always orphans. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a <the> thing. <laughs> Either yeah. you're any orphan or you're a demon orphan. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely set it up as a regular trope type of, ah, here it is. Yeah. Um, hmm. So I don't think not a witch, but a demon. Demon, yeah. Gender neutral demon that goes into a girl. I'll say it that way. How interesting. Mm. Hard to phrase these things without sounding very strange. (laughs) Um, So I was thinking about the witches from the the witch, which I don't. That one is, I think, within the realm of I don't want to spoil it. Right. But um, they do some monstrous things. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I land on that one. I don't. I, There's a lot of illusion, like yeah, it's kind to, of like towards a, things, but it's a slow burn. It's it a is, slow burn movie. Yes. So to me, it's kind of like along the lines of Babadook. Yeah. In that slow, slow, slow unfolding slash, how deep do you let it go into your mind? Yeah type of thing. And a lot of it does feel like um, metaphor. Right. So, I mean, I guess the truly monstrous thing in that movie is that she is coming into her sexuality. Right. Um, or that's like the... Well, what not only that, she's also sexualized by the brother. Yes. Yeah. And then there's also this confusion, the back and forth with the mom and the dad, too. There's a whole There's a whole thing. There is a whole thing. Um and this is a theme that happens all the time, but, like, I would say that in that movie, witchcraft or witches are sort of seen as, like, women liberating themselves from the patriarchy in, like, whatever way that they right, have to. Right, And then just becoming their own and shedding some things. Shedding some things. Something. God, I would love to talk about that. We should have, <laughs> like, a spoiled, like, a, a whole episode where, like, if you want to see any of these movies, don't talk, don't listen to this. Yeah, yeah, don't listen to it. But I want to talk about the witch. Yeah. <laughs> um, then there's the grand high witch from Roald Dahl's The Witches, who appears young and beautiful, but is actually old and ugly. Oh dear. Oh yeah, Angelica Houston. She was phenomenal. Yeah, I 
was scared for so long from that movie alone. But at the same time, I loved it because it also had like the calmness of an English movie. Uh-huh. So it's not your American in your face, like, ah, type of thing. It was just like kind of like, hey, I'm a mouse or I'm this and I'm just going to walk around and oh no, there's a witch. Like it kind of starts doing that way. Uh-huh. But Angelica Houston... As always, the like when she acts like she's so disgusted by children, I believe at any moment she's gonna vomit. Like she's phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal. Oh no, I have but to yeah. watch that. See, we had that movie when I was growing up, and I was so afraid of the cover. Oh, it was scary. I didn't watch I, it. I mean, she, it was uh, again, and you're right. It became this whole like hag witch versus beautiful witch, and it was just this great dichotomy of what it was and who they really were and how awful they were. Mm-hmm. And maybe it does have something about motherhood. Maybe. Mm, Actually, it probably does. They just, they just despise children. These women <laughs> despise children. I, we would be so fun to watch movies with. We're just like, look at the feminism of this <laughs> shot. Uh, I, I enjoy it. I've long wanted to do my feminist movie viewings. That reminds me of our next, the next thing I have on the list, Hocus Pocus, which is coming mm-hmm. back to theaters. Yeah. And I have a ticket for it because I watched this movie so much when I was a kid, it was banned from our house. Oh, really? Until I got to college. Like from eight years old until college, I didn't see Hocus Pocus again. Oh. <laughs> so my parents were like, never will this play in our house again. Oh, that's the trick though. That's what you just get that one movie for that kid and be like, stop talking. Watch your same movie. <laughs> I think that it even in, like in the background wore them out. And in fact, I rented it so many times from Blockbuster, they eventually were like, keep it. <laughs> <laughs> You've earned this. <laughs> you. You've paid for it five times now. <laughs> just, just take it. You, you made a payment plan. I mean, so, Hocus Pocus is for Phenomenal. I, I had it in, like, the Blockbuster case. Oh, I yes. didn't have the, like, the actual cover. So it looked like you stole it? Yeah. And then we, Samantha and I, were recently in Orlando, and, of course, we went to Disney World, which in August was having a Halloween celebration. Right. The not-so-scary. How Mickey's not-so-scary Halloween party. And um, the show that night, which we watched at midnight, um, was oh. Hocus Pocus based, and it was great. And I've had Season of the Witch stuck in my head oh, ever since. Yeah, they did a phenomenal job. All of them that portrayed it and made this. I was wondering how they were going to do this and mm-hmm. not be kitschy. Yeah, and over the top. <laughs> but that movie is pretty kitschy. And over I, the I know, top. but it's so well done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Come on, and uh, uh, yeah, it's a great movie, and I'm I'm excited because I, I want to go. I don't know if I got my ticket yet, but yeah, that movie is definitely one for all time record, like cult classic level. I want to do, uh, next time I'm at karaoke, I want to sing, I put a spell on you. Oh. Um, but yeah, I, I remember the groan when they were like, it's been 26 oh. years since I think all of us just groaned. got angry and said, why? Did you, was that necessary? <laughs> Did it remind us? <laughs> about how old we were? Damn you. But that's another, um, it's a fun one to include on this list, I think, because their whole thing is that they're going to suck the youth out of your children so that they can stay beautiful. And that's a pretty consistent right. theme in a lot of our hearts. That's definitely like the Snow White yeah. idea as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then you have... Yeah, so also the classic witches of Wizard of Oz. You have Glinda the Good Witch and then the Wicked Witches of the West. They're all female, mm-hmm. obviously, and they all represented the goodness and the bad and all of this, but it was all absolutely female. And the one powerful person was a fake, <laughs> but it was a man. Yeah. But he was supposed to be the all-powerful who could take all of these witches out, yeah. which I thought was kind of interesting as well. Yeah. I don't know, it's the horror movie, but shoot, sometimes when that scene comes on oh, where she's scary. Sc- like screeching across the sky about taking your dog... 
<laughs> God, when she melts, that scared me. Really? Yeah. And the whole idea with Poppy Sue, and we know the whole book was, book in itself was political, but yeah, yeah, I always thought that was an interesting. Yeah, I debated on including them because of Wicked. Yeah. Because then they're kind of painted as good. Right, friends and good, and that they've been, yeah. you know. But I think that's the whole new thing is to take whatever was bad and be like, but you didn't actually know the... Right. Whole story. Like, Supernatural yeah. does that as yeah. well as Once Once Upon a Time mm-hmm. on the ABC show. They yeah. do that as well. Well, that's the fun part of a complex villain is usually they have something that you can right. relate to. Uh, the Weird Sisters or the Wayward Sisters mm-hmm. from Shakespeare. Um, Syl, the female alien hybrid from Species. So we're moving away from witches now. Oh, so we're moving on. Okay, <laughs> yes. so we got the hybrid from Species, which, by the way, Super scary movie. Yeah. I just remember the one scene of her kissing and it's like... Yeah, I pretty much blocked that movie from my memory. <laughs> I saw it when I was a kid and I was like, mm-mm. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Beautiful model woman who turns into a monster. Nah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Carrie from Carrie. And I know, like, you were talking about the fact that this is also probably up there with the fact that men are terrified of menstruating women. Yes. And even though she was not necessarily a monster, she is telekinetic, and so therefore the mother, the evil mother, once again, yeah, once again, we're coming back to, created this monster. Yeah. Who is Carrie. Yeah. So it kind of goes back to that, my own, like, mm-hmm. theory of what is this. I never would have included Carrie on this list, honestly, but it, she comes up on a lot of other people's lists. Right. So I figured we should mention her, but to me, I don't know. I guess she is telekinetic. Right. So the whole thing is, yes, it's horror movie level, mm-hmm. but is she a monster? She becomes a monster created by being an outcast. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the very obvious signs of blood and menstruating means that she's done something evil, which was the, what's the mother yeah. has translated that to be. And so, therefore, men, if you're menstruating, you're evil, yeah. I guess so. That's what I've been told. Um, and I, I suppose along that, those lines, I'm a fire starter. Yeah. Terrifying child that will set you on fire. Drew Barrymore as a child is pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then there's the main character from Teeth, which is uh, a movie I know I've mentioned before about Vagina Dentata. Yep. Uh, and to be clear... Uh, Vagina Dentata is not the monster. <laughs> but she, she uses it in a pretty, like, monster-type way. And, yeah, I, I feel like, again, this reflects our anxiety around female sexuality. You can't trust women. They aren't what they seem. Um, and this movie kind of falls into a whole genre of women wronged, and that generally means raped. Right. Um, and then getting revenge. And this is another genre where the monster label can get really murky. Really, really. I mean, revenge movies in general. Right. Um, uh, still monster perhaps, but not really in the way we're talking about today. Right. Then there's the creepy rogue AI. <laughs> Pretty often voiced by women, sometimes even a female avatar. Um, like in the classic Resident Evil. <laughs> oh. So I'm thinking like she... Or no, her. <laughs> well, Scarlett Johansson. Not a monster, but it's that AI. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. That level. Um, Ex Machina, though, that is a good example of yes, like a yes. uh, rogue. The new Hillary Swank movie that's on Netflix, mm-hmm. She there's an AI that takes care of this human child, and then mm-hmm. there's a battle between who you're going to believe, who's the actual evil villain. Ooh, how interesting. Um... There are a lot of female ghosts that are, I guess, evil, like uh, Lady in Black, 
That's the first one that comes to my mind. But so there's that, you know. Um, and then there is other mother from Coraline. Which, by the way, I refuse to see because it looks creepy as hell. It is creepy. Like, I, I just saw the button eyes bit, and I was like, nope. It's good, it's nope. good though. It's nope. good. Um, they have a, or they used to at the Center for Puppetry Arts, they had a little set piece from it. It was oh, really that, that neat. Those haunt me. <laughs> um, and speaking of children, there's also, uh, we see this in children's books. A recent study from the Observer found that not only are children's books twice as likely to contain male main characters, and they're far more likely to have speaking roles compared to female characters, and villains were eight times more likely to be male. Yeah. And uh, the researchers at that paper are pretty good at explaining why that is such a right. big problem. Right. Especially at a formative age, something you're reading to your children or that they're reading. Right. Um, Can we talk about why so many of the children's books and children's stories have their parents killed off? It's because <laughs> the story wouldn't happen if someone was there to be like, hey, kid, don't go into the woods and talk to this creepy old lady. I think it's problematic. <laughs> Another episode. Um, there are some famous fictional serial killers I did want to mention because they have this sort of supernatural element to them. Right. Um, Jason's mom from the original Friday the 13th, although Jason is more the one that's like, if you've seen the whole series, which I embarrassingly have, um, he's like a demon. Right. There's a whole thing. Um, and then Mrs. Loomis from Scream 2, because I love Scream 2. And I just watched it. <laughs> How did that come up yesterday? You were talking, oh, we were playing a game when you put a reference to that and no one except for Lauren from Saver. Yes, she got it. And we were all like, what? Hail Cassandra. Oh my gosh. Lauren's (laughs) always got my back. She's got your back for sure. (laughs) Um, And there are some famous, not so recent ish examples like The Bride of Frankenstein from 1935, who doesn't show up until the very end of the film. And I read very funny, like two different interpretations of this film. Either the bride screwed everything up by rejecting the monster, because if you don't know at the end, she's like, no! Um, Or the monster was an entitled douche who got mad when a lady rejected him. Which kind of sounds one and the same, again, because of rejection towards the monster man, Mm -hmm. man monster. How interesting, Hmm. right? Mm. Then there's Dracula's daughter from 1936, who tries to overcome the curse of her father by finding an immortal mate. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> gotta find a man or else you're doomed to monsterhood. What? And then there's the invisible woman who has an invisible baby. With an invisible man! Of course. How? How? <laughs> Could you imagine? if Would it be half invisible? So would it be, like, if she went with a not invisible man? Oh, maybe. Plot twist. <laughs> plot twist. Assuming it had a plot. <laughs> um, then there is the cat woman from Cat People, uh, which is a 1942 film about a woman who can't have sex or she'll turn into a panther. Um, I mean, we all know that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Every time I have sex, I become a cat of some sort. Um, And that movie plays a lot with gaslighting because even when there is, like, scientific evidence that, yes, she does turn into a panther, (laughs) she has sex, no one believes her. Of course. The evils of women and sex. Mm-hmm. Then there is The Wasp Woman from 1959's The Wasp Woman. Uh, this film depicts a woman who successfully founded a cosmetic company but is desperate to find a way to maintain her youth. Her cosmetics are not doing it for her. So she formulates an anti-aging product with royal jelly from bees with herself as the test subject. But, of course, side effects may include turning into a wasp woman. 
I feel like we definitely have a theme here with the whole age and babies definitely. and blood and sex. Oh, yeah. Um, because I'm just thinking about the fact that who who was the uh, the woman who bathed herself in blood trying to stay younger, but she was an actual woman way oh, back when. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was one of the reasons that kind of that whole uh, monster theme began because of her mm-hmm. legend. But anyway, I just I just find that fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then we have the young pigtailed girl from the 1965's The Bad Seed. Yeah. Which, by the way, I'm going to tell... These last three movies we just talked about, I have no idea what these movies are. I've never heard of these movies. And I'm both horrified uh-huh. and intrigued. Yeah. Well, I've seen... I haven't seen... Um, like, I've seen them maybe once when I was young. Uh, and I... I just remember thinking they were kind of silly. Yes. But uh, the bad seed did scare me, actually. Um, But worth checking out if you're at all interested in this female monster thing. Um, We have some female monsters of history. What? But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, of course, one of the first uh, female monsters that comes to my mind, kicking it old school, is the Gorgon slash Medusa from Greek mythology. Actually, one of the first things that I was ever proud of drawing, but then I had to admit that I traced it when everyone was complimenting me and asking me how I drew such a good Medusa. (laughs) (laughs) I traced it. I would have believed it. Um, To fill you in on her backstory, the god Poseidon raped her in Athena's temple. Uh, And Athena, outraged that this could happen in her temple, punished who? Medusa. Right. That's such a biblical Old Testament (sighs) idea. Uh, The thought being with this punishment, if she was so hideous, uh, men that dared to look upon her would turn to stone, then it would never happen again. Of course, that's like the easiest way. Yes. Um, So... That is an example of women not supporting women. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> and I'll some, go with that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty, we can say that with confidence. In some versions of this tale, Perseus states, this is a well-earned punishment for Medusa. That's the most terrifying thing of the story. I feel like, yeah, that translates a little too well. I know. I'm very <laughs> uncomfortable with how well it translates. Right. So another female monster from the Greek mythology are the sirens, who lured mostly male sellers to their destruction with their beautiful songs. Yep. Uh, the most well-known depiction is in the Odyssey. Odysseus, warned of their power, had himself tied to his ship's mast while his crew put wax in their ears to block out the siren's call. These creatures, by the way, were hybrids with the bodies of birds and the heads of women, which, that's sexy. Real sexy. Very, yeah. Uh, and in some tales, they were Persephone's companions, and when they failed to stop her rape, they were turned into sirens, which seems to be a common theme in Greek mythology, punishing women for rape. It seems to be. Mm. It's already come up twice, mm. and we've only had two examples <laughs> so far. So the sirens <laughs> seemed to originate after the Greeks had contact with Eastern art. Sirens were extremely confident in their talents. They unsuccessfully challenged the muses, and the muses being the nine Greek goddesses of various arts. Legend goes, a siren bested musically by a mortal must die. Oof. Mm. Oh, dear, oh, dear. 
Also in the Odyssey, Scylla and Charybdis, sisters who were cursed to be ugly as punishment for their misdeeds. No greater punishment, of course. Um, Scylla was a six-headed rock monster, while Charybdis was a sea monster just snacking on poor lost sailors, you know, like you do. So sad. Then there are harpies, Greek and Roman mythical monsters with the body of a bird, usually a vulture, and the face of an old woman. In early legends, they were not depicted that way, but in the legend of Jason and the Argonauts, which is probably one of the most well-known, they were portrayed as half-bird, half-woman, and quite revolting. Like, they stank, uh, they stole your food, and that was one of the first times that it was uh, written, this kind of signature move of theirs, that they steal your food. Um... Their name is derived from a Greek word meaning snatchers. They abducted people, usually evildoers, and cruelly punished them while taking them to the Furies. They are thought to, the harpies are thought to represent wind spirits. In my opinion, most terrifyingly portrayed in The Last Unicorn, and in case you're wondering, there is, in fact, an entire essay written about the feminism of The Last Unicorn, and I have read it. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I love that movie. It's on my list of terrifying children's movies. Right, you had to be. Oh, you must have. You must have rented it because you were too young for that movie. We owned it. I don't know. We're talking about the Tom Cruise movie, right? Tom Cruise. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, that's legend. That's legend. <laughs> I like, got no, so no, confused because no, no. legend has it's based on a unicorn. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. And that's Tim Curry being a frightening, frightening devil. Oh, I want to see this. Oh, it's poor quality. Like, oh, that's exactly. Before. The last Great. unicorn. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, now I'm there. Never mind. Keep going. <laughs> Two movies to watch. Um, this whole thing, the harpy, is where the insult harpy comes from, meaning a foul or an unpleasant woman. Um, a picture of a rare harpy eagle went viral yesterday Whoa. as we record this due to its resemblance to a human. Um, it really is cool. Look it up. Like this, this eagle in in particular, which is named after the harpy mm. from Greek mythology, looks amazing and weird, and you can't believe it exists. So Ooh. check it out. And that 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 brings us to the Furies or the Aranes or the Eumenides from Greco-Roman mythology, and these are the goddesses of vengeance frequently depicted as hags with snakes in their hair and snakes wrapped around their arms and blood dripping from their eyes, dressed in black, carrying whips. In their first incarnation, they were the ghost of murdered people or perhaps like curses come to life. The Greek poet Hesiod conceived of them as the daughters of Gaia, or Gaia, birthed from the blood of her murdered spouse, Uranus. Mm. That's a pretty dark origin story. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first to describe them in three, because normally now we think of them in threes, uh, was Euripides. Eventually, they were named Electo, which means unceasing in anger, Tisiphone, avenger of murder, and Megara, uh, jealous, and I got that pronunciation from the animated Hercules, so that is probably not correct. Although that is an interesting kind of side because there are three, I believe there are three characters that kind of represent right. the Furies in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they, The Furies were frequently depicted as spirits of the underworld that came to the surface to punish the wicked, particularly crimes around family and oaths. Their punishment could be something like disease or madness. They were so feared by the Greeks, that they referred to the Furies in euphemistic terms 
like the Furies or the gracious ones. Like, be nice to them, call them nice things. Right. Maybe they'll leave you alone. In the Iliad, they cloud people's judgment and reason. Homer wrote that they had no pity in their hearts, and they are sometimes called the daughters of night. They are the embodiment of righteous rage, and as such, there are a lot of feminist articles written about them as well (laughs) that are pretty current. Um, Also now the name of an Australian slasher movie. Is it? Yeah. That's what it was first results when I was searching on Google. Oh, I feel like I need to try to check that out. Of course, there's the succubus or that which lies beneath. Check out the full episode in our archives for more. But briefly, the succubus is a female sexual demon. That's yeah. my nickname. I'm just playing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the legend of the succubus is thousands of years old and transcends culture. As jinns in Arabic cultures... This demon's MO is approaching men while they are sleeping and seducing them. Lore suggests succubus are the descendants of Lilith, which we're going to get into in a second because yeah. I know you're super excited I'm about so that excited part. I'm so excited to talk about Lilith. Uh, the succubus has taken a, on a sort of cultural second wind lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see that on our classic episode, Can You Have Sex With a Ghost? Yep. Which is okay. And, um, and also, apparently, that's where we talk about, y'all talk about Kesha reported having sex with a ghost. Yeah, and that plays into a lot of um, sleep paralysis. Uh, there's very many, actually, scientific research into that very phenomenon. So, uh, yeah, check out that classic for more on that one. Then there's Banshees, another pretty famous female monster, although I guess she's just kind of trying to warn you generally. Right. Um, she's from. This is from Irish and Scottish lore. Sometimes the ghost of an old maid, a wailing about your impending, probably violent, death. Sometimes <laughs> the visage of a beautiful maiden weeping about your impending death. Mm. In some retellings, she can be found washing her bloodied clothes in the river or brushing her hair with a silver comb. And modernly, people think this this myth originated from the sounds of barn owls. And when I read that, I was like, oh, I can see that because I've heard one. I had just watched the Mothman prophecies, and there was a barn owl or a screech owl outside my window, and it scared me so (laughs) badly. (laughs) Oh, my God. I thought it was a Mothman, but the next day, my neighbor, who's kind of, she knows a lot about nature, was like, no, that was just an owl. You're fine. Um, But they also have kind of like white plumage that can look like a face um, and they're very silent when they fly so I can see mm-hmm. how you might think it's a wailing ghost of a woman who's warning you about your death because you're just anxious all right. the time well I, I guess a warning would be good it's an unnerving it? sound oh my gosh well then we have Grindel's mother from Beowulf who is described as a woman monster wife embodying both light and dark sides of the feminine. Seems to be a common theme. It does. Uh, when she's first mentioned in the poem, she is described as an avenger. Yeah. Once again, avenge, revenge. There is a lot of themes of like getting justice, punishing people for doing wrong. Um and then there, this is one of the most interesting inclusions on our list, I think. <laughs> Baba Yaga. Here we go. From Russian folklore. I, I had to really try to keep it, rein it in and Love not it. make the whole episode about her. She lives in a hut that has chicken legs. In some versions, it spins on top of eggs and is bedecked in skulls. And she travels herself via mortar, <laughs> mortar and pestle. When someone visits her, she may eat you or offer to help you. Hmm. That's the interesting thing about Baba Yaga that a lot of uh, historians think is unique is because in the very same story, she can be like a trickster, a murderer, a helper, all in one woman. 
We contain multitudes. Um, Baba Yaga is frequently depicted as an old woman. Crone or hag could be applied here. Gnarled and toad-like with long, stringy gray hair and iron teeth. Or no teeth. Sometimes she is written as traveling with death and feeding on death's newly released souls. And yes, when looking at the wealth of information that has been written about her, she is sometimes maternalistic and others cannibalistic. Probably the most famous instance of Baba Yaga in literature is from Vashilisa the Beautiful. This Russian fairy tale follows Vashilisa, whose mother died when she was young. Before her death, the mother gave her a doll, like no other doll in the world, instructing her daughter to never let anyone see it and to carry it with her always. Those dolls. Those damn dolls. Those damn dolls. I actually did. I actually pitched a whole episode on why do we think dolls are creepy, and everyone was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to know. Um, Okay, so, yeah, if she's carrying it with her always, and if she's ever threatened by evil or sorrow, the mother tells Vashalisa to find an isolated corner or someplace that people won't see her, take the doll out, feed it, give it a little something to drink, and then tell it um, what's bothering her, and then the doll gives her some advice. Or it will. And not soon after her mother's death, Vashalisa does this. She takes out the doll, feeds it a little, gives it a drink, and then tells it about her grief of her mother dying. And the doll listens and then says, grief is worse at night and morning is wiser in the evening. And suggested that Vashalisa go to sleep. And Vashalisa found that she did feel better the next day. Meanwhile... Her father had found a new wife, a widower about his age with two daughters. The woman and her children moved into their house, and Vashalisa quickly realized that her father's new wife was quite cruel. She wanted her father's wealth, and her and her daughters were envious of Vashalisa's beauty. By giving her a lot of menial and difficult chores, they hoped to diminish her beauty. But Vashalisa was resilient, and she has that special doll. Years went by this way until Vashalisa reached marrying age. Oh, no. And everyone wanted to marry her, of course. Um, And this made her stepmother and sisters even angrier. So when Vashalisa's father left to make a journey to another sardom, his wife packed up all the stuff, sold his house, and moved everybody, herself, her daughters, and Vashalisa, to a sad neighborhood bordering the wild woods outside of town. And every day, her stepmother sent Vashalisa into the woods to compete various tasks. The stepmother did this knowing that Baba Yaga lived in these woods, who people believed ate people like one eats chickens. Mm, delicious. <laughs> uh, her hope was that Vashalisa would encounter Baba Yaga and be eaten. The doll knew of Baba Yaga and warned Vashalisa not to approach the hut on chicken legs. Fair. But the stepmother was determined and with the help of her daughters orchestrated a situation where Vashalisa had to go to Baba Yaga to get more fire. Um, but <laughs> Vashalisa does all of this, instead of getting eaten, Baba Yaga just is like, here's some impossible tasks. Let's see if you can do them. And because she has that doll, Vashalisa succeeds oh. in these tasks. And as a reward, Baba Yaga gives her one of her skull lanterns. Awesome. Uh, when Vashalisa returns home, the lantern sets the home of her terrible new family aflame killing them. And then she goes on to marry the Tsar, the end, happily ever after. In this story, it's a great example of Baba Yaga filling many roles, um, similar to what we discussed in our episode around Mother Destroyer. 
Sometimes in other stories, she is depicted as a goddess um, or in others, the manifestation of winter storms. Perhaps because of this enigmatic nature, she has become quite the popular figure on the internet and, yes, is sometimes jokingly referred to as a feminist icon. I'm not mad at that. No, no. In 2017, she unseated the mermaid in Jezebel's next top creature race, beating (laughs) out the siren. (laughs) That's fantastic. And in 2013, the feminist website The Hairpin launched an advice column called Ask Baba Yaga that eventually became a book called Ask Baba Yaga, Otherworldly Advice for Everyday Troubles. The book's author, Tasia Kitaskaya, said of Baba Yaga, that image of an old woman living in the woods doing whatever she wants all day long continues to be the dream for myself. I love that. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I'm with her. I want to be there. Um, and then when trying to get to the bottom of Baba Yaga's popularity, academics thought it might be due to her ability to house a paradox, the good, the evil, and the in-between, to live outside moral codes and for women specifically, her rejection of society's rules. Yeah. Boom. I could see it. I, I mean, clearly I got, I was right. all in. You are <laughs> so in. Like, and learn. you know what? With all of that, yeah, let me do that. <laughs> Um, and if you want to learn more about Baba Yaga, you should check out the Stuff You Missed in History class episode, which is our podcast done by some of our wonderful coworkers here. Wonderful. Pisa Tierra and Baba Yaga. And briefly, if you're wondering, Pisa Tierra is a supernatural crone from Brazilian folklore who lies in wait on roofs at night, waiting for some poor soul with a full stomach to fall asleep on their backs, stomach facing up, so that they can jump and trample on them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And yeah, there is an entire scientific study examining Pisadiera and her connection to sleep paralysis, specifically her. That's a great monster. I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, roll over, just roll over now. All they do is jump on your stomach. It's like a cartoon coming to life. It's amazing. Well, you know, I'm sure it's probably pretty violent. I'm sure. I mean, if you really get down to it, but then at the same time, you're like, yeah. what? Yeah. My cousin used to tell me that if I fell asleep on my back, I wouldn't survive to see the morning, and to this day, I can't sleep on my back. What? Yeah, because she said there was something, like, waiting under your bed, and it would it could only stab you through the back. So, I to this day, I cannot sleep on that my back. That's a really specific tale. It was. It was quite specific. Speaking of specific tales, this brings us to probably my favorite part. Right. Lilith. 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 Um, in some Jewish religious interpretations, Lilith, who was Adam's first wife, uh, went on to become the mother of all the monsters. So the mother of everything we're talking about Every here. Um, after refusing to submit to the missionary position. Like sexual missionary yes. position? All right, cool. Yes. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. So this whole idea of, like, the missionary position and all of that, um, (laughs) this comes from a medieval Jewish text called the Alphabet of Ben Sirah, which a lot of historians believe could be satirical. Mm. Um, But okay, Lilith was created with the earth, as was Adam, and had many strong opinions from the very start. Uh, She said to Adam, I will not lie below, to which he responded, I will not lie beneath you, but only on top, for you are fit only to be in the bottom position, while I am to be the superior one. Lilith snapped back, we are equal to each other, inasmuch as we were both created from the earth. And then when Adam still wouldn't, like, <laughs> listen to her, she flew away. She, she took God's name in vain, which was a huge deal, um, and flew away. And then Adam was like, oh, God, like literally God, she 
flew away. What will I do? <laughs> and God sent three angels after her to persuade Lilith to return and inform her that if she refused, 100 of her children, a.k.a. demons, uh, would die each night. And Lilith refused. She said, nope, I'm not coming back. And she promised to leave children, human children, who wore an amulet to ward her off alone. So, Because she was like, I won't eat all of your human children as long as they take some precautions. (laughs) They threatened to drown her in the, I think, the Red Sea. Right. And that's why she agreed. Um, And yes, there was an ancient practice of giving children an amulet inscribed with the names of the three angels that was meant to keep Lilith away. Lilith also is frequently condemned for wandering about at night, vexing the sons of men, and causing them to defile themselves. Oof. Oh, jeez. Lilith's story is complex and fascinating. The first known reference of her goes back to Sumerian list of demons from 2400 BCE. Lilu demons were similar to succubi, um, who seduced sleeping men in order to produce demonic children. Iterations of her appeared in ancient Egyptian, Greek, and Israeli legends. Gotha name-checked her in Faust. In Ulysses by James Joyce, she is labeled as the patron of abortions. In C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, she is the ancestor of the White Witch. I didn't know that. Mm Mm-hmm. She's mentioned in the Chronicles of Narnia. A tablet from the 7th or 8th century BCE found in Syria mentions Lilith. O you who fly in the darkened room, be off with you this instant, Lilith, thief breaker of bones. So scary. I like that. I'm going to put that out somewhere. In some versions of the story, she mated with the archangel, Simael. In other versions, a demon. Yeah. Which I've seen versions where she's sister of God. Yes. And not necessarily in darkness or whatever, but not necessarily the wife of Adam. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing is there is interpretation around that she never was Adam's wife. Um, A lot of discussion around Lilith. But one we wanted to touch on, Judith Plasco wrote a parable in 1972 about her, about Lilith, called The Coming of Lilith, reframing the story in a similar way that Wicked did with The Wizard of Oz's Wicked Witch of the West. In the parable, she fled for refusing to be treated as lesser than Adam, who she regarded as her equal and was viciously slandered for it. And then she and Eve, looking for some women, some some port, yes. uh, they became fast friends. And Lilith sort of became a feminist hero after that, an image helped along by the 1976 launch of Lilith magazine, complete with the tagline, Independent Jewish and Frankly Feminist. <laughs> and in 1997, the all-female music festival, Lilith Fair. Of course, Lilith Fair. Mm-hmm. I love that. And then, you know, as you were talking about the retelling of the stories and, like, a lot of the pop culture, which has been a new thing to bring Lilith back up, Supernatural, they kind of revamp her story yeah. in that as well. And she was also in True Blood. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily revamp her in that storyline. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, some modern witches and pagans invoke Lilith in their practices and rites, especially those involving the darker side of the feminine. So, yeah, like goals around money or right, uh, desires. Right. Yeah. Which, uh, if any listeners um, are involved in uh, these kinds of practices and rights, I would love to hear from oh, you. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I could talk about Lilith. There's so much to say about Lilith. Actually, one of my favorite books is um, called Lilith. And it's kind of reclaiming the name. Because right. for a while, the name was just seen as like evil. I do, like, this brings us to the end of our history of monsters, even though there's so many that we could include and so many of these that could be fleshed out into full episodes. Right. But I do think it's interesting ending on Lilith, like this mother of monster idea that we've 
been touching on the whole time. Um, and we, we can see these themes over and over again of like motherhood and revenge, revenge and justice and uh, just kind of punishing. Right. Which is the dark side of which the is, feminine. I mean, Lilith is kind of the arc of being a feminist saying, hell no. <laughs> Missionary <laughs> Hell no. Oh, okay. Well, we, had, we have a little bit more for you, but first we're going to pause for one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, thank you, monsters. <laughs> thank you, monsters, and also thank you, sponsors who are not monsters. <laughs> uh, well, I, it's on my brain. Okay, it is, and it's fair. Yes, um, we did want to touch on some things that are changing because we have given what I feel like are some pretty great examples right. of female monsters and what they can be. We've given some not so great ones as well, but there is still this monster gap that we touched on in the beginning. Um, and some badass women out there are trying to make things more equal when it comes to our portrayal around monsters. Theodora Goss got a PhD in English in part by writing a 400-page dissertation on Victorian monsters, and she wanted to remedy this whole thing, or at least do her part to remedy it, by writing a short called The Mad Scientist's Daughter, which follows Catherine Monroe, Justine Frankenstein, and Diana Hyde. And she built upon that universe with the novel The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter, which I kind of love. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that whole plot line. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to our entertainment for so long, women have only been allowed to exist within the framework of the male gaze mm-hmm. that we talked about before. If she's not sexualized, she is ridiculously desexualized. And if these horror examples show us anything, we are still grappling with our fear of women's sexuality, obviously. Yeah, so minor... Minor thing to tackle. Right. But that, that's at play in all of this. Um, our discomfort with women who don't behave how we expect them to, of women who step outside the narrow box we've deemed appropriate for femininity, that's another thing that's in play at play in all this. And I do think it's interesting that, um, like we said at the top, male monsters are frequently allowed sympathy. Right. And female monsters are not. They're not as fleshed out. They're not as um, right. whole of characters. Um, And this very thing and the fact that women commit murder at much lower rates than men contribute to a culture that sensationalizes female murderers. Um, So (laughs) there's a lot to talk about. So many things. uh, When it comes to female monsters and not just uh, nerdy stuff. I was getting to talk about one of my favorite things at least. Right. I I love that. No, I learned a lot. (laughs) I see how passionate you are and it's fantastic. Uh, Yeah, I got... I have a lot of passion. That's a very <laughs> diplomatic way of saying it. Um, we would love to hear from listeners if there's any uh, monsters that you want to uh, want us to return to or that we didn't mention or Ooh. movies that we should watch, books we should read. You can send those our way uh, before we get into our, our outro officially, though. We do have some shout-outs. We do have shout-outs. So, of course, to backtrack with all of our love for horror movies, and, and I, I picked a couple out, which you may have already heard that are women in horror movie genres or talking about mysteries of sorts. So Women in Caskets, which is one podcast, which uh-huh. I know I think it's got a pretty big following anyway, but I was like, oh, 
this is cool, which, by the way, when I Googled it without the word podcast, I got some really bad pictures. Oh, God, I bet you did. Don't do that. Oh. Don't do that. Um, and then Switchblade Sisters, which was also another great little podcast. Great to look into. Again, they probably all have pretty big followings. But if y'all are interested and have not heard of these, jump on it. If y'all know more that I need to get into, or especially Annie needs to get into, yes. obviously, um, please Buffy, let us know. Remember the Buffy yes, one? I was trying to, uh, oh. I need to, we need to reach out to Tanya because she was uh, posting about them recently too. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, you can send any of those suggestions, any and all, to our email. It is stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast and on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Yay! And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You's production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> <laughs> 